Hello, and welcome to the LYF podcast. This podcast is provided to you by the Love Yourself Foundation, which is an organization here spreading the message of love and more specifically self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has not only in building a better relationship with yourself, but also with your community and with our beautiful planet. We're here to tell you that we're all one. All living beings are connected to each other, to the universe. So we're going to be talking about important topics like mental health, environmental issues, and tying it all back into the self and ways that you can not only empower your relationship with yourself, but also empower your relationship with your community and with our beautiful planet. So if you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at the LY Foundation. You can also check out our website at the lyfoundation.org. And we have a very special new addition to what we're doing. We now have a membership program called the Lifeline Membership Program, which offers support calls, group support calls, free admission to our events, workshops, specialized merch. So we also have special discounts going for students, teachers, frontline workers. So if you want to hear more about this, please go to our website at the LY Foundation slash membership for more info. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the OIF podcast. Monica here. Uh, And today I'm actually joined by, I want to say, like truly one of um, that I've come across, one of Las Vegas's most talented artists that I've had the pleasure of collaborating with in in different events and and different community events here in Vegas. So I'm very excited to get Tree Hill's story out there and so happy that she's here with me today. So hello, Tree. What's up? Peace. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I'm really glad that we could do this. Honestly, it's been a long time coming that I've wanted you on here. So I'm very happy that the moment has arrived. So Tree, my first question um, that I always ask people is, what is it that you love about yourself and how has this quality helped you so far in your life? Or maybe it's something that it's new and has just evolved. Yeah. What, 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 what comes to mind? Oh, beautiful question, by the way. Definitely on time. What I love about myself is the ability to understand others or the ability to understand the vibrate like the vibrational let's see how do I say this I know who needs to be at the table together Mm -hmm. I may not be the master of that skill or I may not have that information to articulate it well but I feel vibrationally the charge of that from let's just say those two examples from both those individuals and how impactful and potent it is and for me, it's downloaded in that way to where, oh, I understand that be able to articulate it or tangibly program the thing myself, but I understand from a zoomed out perspective and those two people would be great together to execute this thing for humanity or whatever. Mm. I feel like to, yeah, that's what I like about myself and the fact that I move, my process is a little, is a little slower than others, um, which I've been made fun of about and et cetera. But I've found over the years, over time, and just actually recently that I'm thankful for my process, my slow process, as in when I say slow, I don't mean lazy. I don't mean stupid. It takes me some time to process 
a thing so that I'm not impulsive mm-hmm. and I'm able to make, it doesn't mean I'm not ever impulsive, uh, yeah. but it, it helps me have clear or the energy, the field is pretty clear when I step into it mm-hmm. because I've processed and that's benefited me in many ways. And in other ways it hasn't, in other ways I've been challenged to accelerate and I'm actually learning that lesson now. So it's, uh, yeah, I would say that that's what I like about myself. Yeah. I think that's, it's very, I really like this answer. I, I think I've been, I had, it's probably my first time hearing this. Sometimes folks will say similar things and I really like this because I think it brings light to the process, like you're saying, and how sometimes things take time. And I think, especially in the United States, things are always moving so quickly, it seems, or it's like what they want, the society wants us to keep moving so fast. And obviously it's not always good. So I'm really happy to hear what you're saying, because it's all about honoring yourself and the way that you move and celebrating that and not falling pressure to outside forces. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. And and sometimes I do fall pressure. That's when I, that's when I fall actually. And sometimes it's healthy, whereas I need the pressure of urgency mm-hmm. because yeah. urgency, it, it helps to move the action, the momentum into action. And as humans, when we forget, it's good to be reminded that, Hey, action. So I need that. I also mm-hmm. don't need and I feel like that's a very patriarchal standard that all, that a lot of, not all, obviously, that many humans within our, our you know, our society or social memory complex, mm-hmm. we, we feel like that's what we have to do. And it creates all sorts of ailments and confusion. And I'll feel that and then I'll go against it because I'm supposed to do that other thing. And it's just, wait, but there's a way. I feel like there's another way. There's an alternative. There has to be because mm-hmm. that doesn't feel good. And that, though I have to ask, help me to see clearly because some of it may be good for me mm-hmm. because of my slower processing or processor processing system, which is accelerated. But when I say slow in terms of how the average human being would consider it, it would be mm-hmm. slow. But in terms of downloading it for really fast and which is why I have to take my time because I'm hearing being a lot mm-hmm. and so it's I can't, I can't make quick decisions mm-hmm. unless I'm clear yeah I think that's it's the, the balancing act and it sounds like that's something that you've definitely been able to probably just get better at right with time and growth so it's something definitely to admire. So thank you. But yeah, Tree, I want to dive a little bit into your journey of how you came up, how you first started to devote time and energy to your art, uh, whether that's poetry or the other collaborations, music that you've been involved with. But if you can take us back a little bit to memory lane and how it all began for you. Yeah, I'll start with this sentence. As early as I can remember, <laughs> a young age, I really, my grandmother used to call me eccentric. I had no idea what that meant at seven, eight. I was very sensitive to many things, many of my surroundings. And, and I, I would I would sit at the table when people were eating and I would have my hands over my ears. I couldn't stand the sound of people eating. I couldn't, I was, I was extremely emotional as a child. Um, very attached to my mom and I was very passionate, expressive. And so 
my mom, she got me an audition into a performing arts school when I was eight. So I would start that next year around nine. And I auditioned for visual arts. I like to draw and all those things. Mm-hmm. I got in, so I attended that school. So I was around a bunch of cool, crazy, weird kids from all over the city. And I'm from Akron, Ohio, which if anybody knows about, if you've ever been to Cleveland or Cincinnati, it's very similar as far as my upbringing, very culturally Black. And so going to that school was different because you had kids from all over the city, different parts of, or even outside of the city who attended the school through audition and et cetera. And I was very inspired by my art teachers. To this day, I can recall just feeling so blissed out by learning about Frida and just the way that she created her art and just her look, her aesthetic and and her story and et cetera, et cetera. And I was very, my path was very much led by being inspired by her when I was around nine. Mm. I, my teacher at the time, her name's Miss Yingling, who was, she dressed really cool. And it seemed so out of the norm that I was just like, what is this? Or what type of human is this? And so my journey really pretty much began, I would say focused on an art form around then, around nine. And I went to go see The Lion King on Broadway in New York. I cried. I was like, I literally had an out-of-body experience. I was about nine years old at the time too, nine or 10. And I was just like, oh my God. And this is when, this is the, this is when they had Lion King on Broadway, like in the nineties. I just remember wanting to create something that made others feel the way I did sitting in the audience today. And that's where it started for me. And around 14, I started to write poetry. So I was drawing and painting up to that point. And I had a very, let's just say, triggering experience about my biological father who I've never met. I wanted information about him. No one would give it to me. I was very upset and I became what you would call the typical asshole teenager. Around that time, towards like my mom and some other people, specifically my mom. And that's when I started to write poetry. My first poem was about that experience. And then from there, uh, yeah, into college and moving to Las Vegas. And I guess I could elaborate a little bit more on that. I'm not sure if you want to stop me and ask another question before I do that. But yeah, so I, I was a cheerleader for a long time, from like age eight to 17. And so I would perform poems for my, my, my cheerleading team. And that was a funny time period. And eventually when I went to college, I joined a slam poetry team. I didn't really do well at slam because I didn't understand the format. There was a cadence and delivery and I was just my own type of poet. And so I was very emotional about the fact that I wasn't good at it. I was good at poetry, obviously, but not I couldn't really understand why there was this one stereotypical type of thing that one, that only one. So I admired the poets I saw, but I didn't understand why that was the only thing that was accepted. And so I just gave up poetry for a long time, moved to Vegas, started Soul Sessions, which 
for many of you listening, I'm sure you, and if you don't know, it is a open mic that some friends and I created back in 2014 in the arts district at Raw Remedies on the foundation that we would uplift the planet through art. Every art form and just understanding business at that time from my business partner, Bobby, and some of Zuli as well. She also co-founded it. Yeah, I started to get behind the camera. I mean, it was never... I was never uh, a videographer. I've never been a videographer, so I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that. But I became less interested in being on stage Mm -hmm. and more interested in organizing. And at some point I realized, oh, okay, I've been giving platforms to others. And I don't mean that egotistically. I mean that as in why am I not? Something was coming up, like I felt triggered by something. Mm -hmm. I don't know who knows. And I realized, oh, I actually do want to perform. So I've been giving platforms to others. Why am I not giving that to myself? Mm -hmm. And I have the space. That's when I realized, oh, the poetry isn't for me. I was doing it for me. And it really was my service. Mm -hmm. So when I recognized that it was a similar concept or idea to what I do when I pray or what I do when I'm, I'm nur- being nurturing or when I'm listening to source, I recognize, okay, that's what this is. It's not really about me though. It is for me. It's actually mm-hmm. for, it's my service to others. And uh, that's when I was able to actually perform again. And uh, yeah, so much has happened in between mm-hmm. that moment. Now, our interview would be a very long one if I went there, but <laughs> I, I I eventually gotten to make music because I've always felt drawn to making music and I've always really made it in my head or with or freestyling or with or whatever that eventually I started making music with the help of some others who believed in me and invested in me and now I'm making music and yeah that's just the beginning Mm. portion of what I dream of. Thank you Tree for sharing. It was, it's nice to hear. I always love to hear like the origin stories and, and I really like the podcast because it gives me an opportunity to learn more. I've known Tree now for a number of years, but to be able to hear Tree's story more in depth, it, it's a, it's a good, it's really nice. So thank you. I'm always curious too, what on, on how folks come to Vegas because Vegas is such an interesting place to say the least. So what was it? What was, what drew you here, Tree? Uh, great, great question. I actually stopped telling, I stopped answering this question for people. <laughs> I will, I will answer it for you. Uh-huh. Uh, I went to college in North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina. I went to North Carolina and T State University. I was dating someone there. Graduate once I graduated, going home for about two months, and I was just going crazy. I was just like, "What the fuck mm-hmm. is going on?" world I had just had such a high high just experiencing not just another city or a different city but I had studied abroad and I had felt immersed in other cultures mm-hmm. and also experiencing my own culture because I went to an HBCU so being able to experience people who looked like me from all over was really like whoa it's eye-opening and, and pivotal uh pivotal for me and so when I went home and I recognized fuck I got a lot to do I've got a lot to bring back to this place that I enjoy 
growing up in and I, I was sad about I was sad about what I was seeing and the state of the, the mental state of, of people who I loved and that's not to say anything negative that's just to say hey that's like the problem yeah we all know the history of the United States of America we don't have to get into that but like a place the Midwest specifically I find has a uh a slower acceleration process than other parts of the country. And I started to create what I thought was going to be a nonprofit. Mm. And it included educational, health empowerment, and and physical, I guess that's in health, intellectual tools to help people who look like me remember who they are, plus just understand what's happened all this time mm. to us, to our and so I moved to Las Vegas. I moved to Las Vegas. Actually, came to visit Las Vegas because my partner at the time had graduated a year before me or a semester before me, and was in the MFA program here at UNLV mm-hmm. um, in theater. Mm-hmm. And so I had come to visit for about three months. That was my plan: come visit three months and get a job while you're there, and then. I applied to intern at Tom's Shoes, the mm-hmm. you nobody know, give one. And I wanted to go be on their team that delivered the shoes in other countries. So this was a part of my learning to build some experience for my nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So I visited Tom's Shoes a few times, but they didn't end up hiring me. And I was actually sold on the idea that I told myself really that they didn't hire me because I was black now mm. at the time I was two and I grew up right I was still un- I, I was still dissolving and am still really dissolving this idea of racism and so it was a narrative that I just stuck to even though that probably was not true but I had looked at all of their classes, their intern classes online, and I saw not one Black person. And so for me, it was like an easy excuse to, to say, hey, Tom Shoes doesn't, they don't hire Black people at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thinking back now, I was just probably really emotional about it and just tried to, who knows. So I moved, I ended up staying in Vegas because I didn't get hired there. And uh, my, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah. And you've, well, thank you for sharing all that. And yes, and you've been out here now for a while, Tree. Yeah, I think nine years. Yeah, man. And for those that kind of going back to Soul Sessions and the impact that really had, has had, continues to have too on the, in the art community here. And I remember my first one that I ever went to, I think it was back in, I want to say like 2016. And it was so cool because I... You know, I had gone to other events in, in Vegas and I had never experienced something like that. So it's wonderful, really, what you all have created together and what it's done for Vegas and, and now just the different all the avenues that you've gone on and the impact that your art, your activism has had. Really, I think of some of the founding people of what I see the art community today. And I, and I definitely think of you tree and, and it's really exciting because I think that the art community in Las Vegas is still young relative to other cities, but it's something very special and pure. And the times when I've gone away mm-hmm. from Vegas and I come back, I, I always have such an appreciation for the community that we do have. And I definitely think it's 
so unique and special. I just want to say thank you for everything you've done, Trey, and continue to do. And I know that your art, your, it has definitely left an impact on many people. And for those of you that maybe aren't aware or perhaps it's new, right before pandemic hit too, Key on the One and he led an event called the hero's journey. And at the time tree and Keon were, had a collaboration going to, and so getting to see all that and everything that was discussed in those pieces gave me so much strength when, when COVID hit and, and I really reverted a lot back to that event. I felt very grateful to have been able to be part of it too, because I definitely think it helped all of us that were involved as a reminder that sometimes life happens and it, sometimes it's really crazy and it's, it's so important to stay grounded and, and centered. So yeah. So just thank you, Trey, for everything that you've done and continue to do. Wow. Bless. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I received that and same. I'm, I'm completely inspired by you as well. I'm happy that we were able to work together for the hero's journey. It was such a beautiful event and right on time for what happened right after. Yeah, I'm appreciative of that. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So I, I want to dive a little deeper because I feel like you, yeah, when I think of art and what artists do for the collective, it is, it's so important. It's such important work. And I have so much respect because I really feel that art, music, all of that helps the human spirit to continue forward, no matter the obstacles that come. And and I really believe you embody that so well. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about that, just the activism that you do through your art, through your music, and how spirituality comes into play. However, you want to talk about that embodiment, I think, again, is so important. And like I said, I feel like you you embody it perfectly from my point of view. Could you actually repeat that? Because you went out a little bit on my oh, end. Oh, okay. <laughs> no worries. Just not the whole thing, just the specific mm-hmm. question. Yeah. So um, just talking a little bit about that embodiment of your activism with spirituality and your art. Like, how did that infuse for you? Was there like an, a pivotal point where you really wanted to embody it, it all together? Was there like a before and after, or was it always like this for you and your artistic expression? Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. It's been, let's just say, I've always been listening for the truth. Mm-hmm. That's always been a part. I would say it's been a part of all of us, or right? that is all of us at the in fact, uh, matter of fact. <laughs> But when I was about 16, definitely 18, 19, I started to question a lot of things about this world around religion. Mm-hmm. And I, I really loved the stories I would hear about Christ. And I really felt devoted to who we call God. But the language and the way that, I guess you could say, leaders in the church, for example, would try to get us to understand those two potent things was not, it didn't feel like truth to me. Mm-hmm. So I would hear some truth, two plus two is always four. But then I would hear this, I would hear the approach being like, when I, when I felt into who I thought was Christ, I felt very much an internal process that understood itself to be all that is. And 
wasn't egotistically calling himself like he, I'm the one you should, like, I'm the one. It didn't make sense to me that, so you're telling me this human or this mystic or whomever would have the arrogance and would egotistically have brought all of these people to understand love by being an asshole mm-hmm. and saying you should worship him. I to me. <laughs> so I started to question that around 16 and around 18, 19, I went to around 19. I started to dissect every single religion I could, mm-hmm. um, starting with Catholicism, Judaism, Sikhism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, studied a little bit of Taoism. And I just found all the similarities between not just the people throughout history, identifying culturally with what you know, with whatever the culture was or region geographically at the time. But also found that whether you call God Allah or God or universe or what have you, or whether you believe in Buddha, which is more of a philosophy than really whatever, or Christ or Muhammad or Shiva, or they all pretty much taught this. So I was like, okay, so what, why are people so caught up on Christ being the one over Buddha being the one, or why are people caught up on Buddha being the over? Why are people arguing about this? And at the end of the day, it's just all opinion. And when I look into the frequencies of those, when I feel, not look, but feel, and I gain insight into who I am, Mm -hmm. recognize also that I felt that they were all this it wasn't their issue it's the mind it's the mental complex it's the egos or our social our society's way of convincing us that there's just one way there's this bias there's there's this duality Mm -hmm. and that what is truth and people don't have the maturity or the leadership or the trust in themselves to understand that this is just one big conversation and you and the principles are the truth. Christ isn't Christ isn't uh, Kobe Bryant. We're not we're not he's not this celebrity that everybody has to choose whether we think he's the best basketball player or not. We're literally talking about real life. Spirituality is just reality. It's what the yogis teach. It's what Christ taught. It's what anyone who's gone down the path of self-realization is taught. And so when Christian, when in the church, when Christianity says, hey, when Christianity, when the pastor says, is what I'm mm-hmm. saying, because uh, mm-hmm. it's not as bought as it is, the people are part of it. And or really our responsibility to understand ourselves, to see what's happening and how we're being manipulated into consenting to ideas that are some true and some untruth. But when the pastor would say, hey, yeah, you've got to go do this and you've got to, you got to, and, and none of it is teaching an internal process other than prayer. Mm-hmm. None of it is showing how Christ understood the thing he, he understands. It's just, he's just, there's a process that is shown in the text mm-hmm. of how he and some of it missing, a lot of it missing, of how he came to understand what he understood and how the father is 
the father or whatever that means. And so we started just to personify God and people don't have the maturity to understand how to integrate that information that the father being just maybe representative of a masculine principle energetically and possibly being a symbol of who one would serve or obey as Mm. in I serve and Mm -hmm. the language Time was father and just being able to discern the difference between mm-hmm. that. So for me, I've always had that sense or I've been searching or integrating. And that's always been something that's been natural for me. And the art is a byproduct of that, as in I just had to write about it, draw about it, talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so that was actually the fear part for me is integrating my beliefs, which the more I unidentify with with things I believe, really, I have less of an identity anyway. And I'm still, I'm still ironing out some wrinkles Mm -hmm. in what I think or what I thought was. It's less of, it's less activism and more just being is the thing I feel is true and being inspired by others. The more I see Others being themselves, I'm inspired to be more authentically myself as well, because I forget as well. And I get caught up in the rat race as well. And I forget that, oh, wait, that doesn't work for me. It never did. How did I forget? I just, you know, I just, uh, what? And yeah, that, that integration process has been like a life process for me. And I've had to be very careful about my wanting to be liked by people, an inner child, people-pleasing quality, which most of us have. I've had to be very careful of that because that's gotten me, that's taken me off my path many times because I would dim my light in order to be accepted. And so I had, so there's that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Thank you. I feel like, um, I learned a lot right now too with your explanation. So I appreciate that. And and I just, I think it's interesting too. The word humility came into my mind, especially in the bit when you were referencing to the language, right? When we're time where history has shifted Jesus Christ, right? To you're totally right with what you said, Tree, about he, I don't believe he was this asshole either. And unfortunately, I think that time has shifted some things and language and people and have shifted these things. But uh, at least when I think of self-exploration and um, self-actualization with time on this path, it is a lot of humility and self-understanding because the more that we, the more that we learn, the more we realize we don't know. It's, it's a very interesting path. And I'd let, this question's coming to my mind right now about have you experienced folks ever like putting you on a pedestal um, just because of being in, in, being in the community, being in the eyes of people? And if you have experienced that, how have you confronted that? Right on. Uh, thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. I've experienced that, especially when people see like the hood side of me, <laughs> um, which they like. interestingly but when people see me being like more when I've been negative or when I've been judgmental or very opinionated about something Mm -hmm. um they would say oh you're this or I thought that and it's just dude I've never said that I was not any of this in fact I'm just speaking 
um, truth as I see it and I'm taking accountability as I see mm-hmm. it fit or I see fit to or if that even makes sense. I'm taking accountability where I need to. And there have been moments where when there are blind spots and I'm not seeing myself, I've been, there are people who don't like me to this day, actually. And I understand why, rightfully. And some of these people actually had a perception of me that was pretty high. And so when I did something that was honestly honoring to them, I understand that now at the time, I didn't really understand it fully. We weren't able to work it because of that. And, but that's a small portion of my experience like that. But for the most part, I have friends who do comment on the way that I think or the way that I speak or talk in a really beautiful way that would be considered that. And I I really want to, I really want people not to do that because the reason why intuitively we're all feeling Like when people see you, when you see someone, you feel like, whoa, you see me. And that's really what I attempt to do daily. And so intuitively, you know, the other person's feeling seen and based off their own practices or their um, own surrendering and either seeing other people for who they are or not, they tend to confuse that egotistically for me being in a place that they're not. And it's just not true. Mm-hmm. Even though people want to, there's this conversation about equality. Oneness isn't equality. We're all connected. There's nothing separate, in fact, anything. But equality is something else. We all have things, we all have different things to balance karmically. A lot of it collectively and a lot of it individually. And that's our unique experience and why, why we're here to grow and to equate that to another person is just, it's triggering. So it's either going to trigger, you know, worshiping someone else and thinking we need to follow them or it's going to be some type of catalytic, more negative, could be negative experience into learning that lesson. But really, and that's what people did to Christ. And that's what people did to Buddha. And that's what people do to all these. I know those two just because those are always the two at the top of my head. But there have been many still now who have walked that path. And people like to, to do that. And I'm not at all comparing myself to either one of them. But what I am saying is it's a normal, it's a normal thing, though unnatural. It's a normal thing that humans do because of the manipulation psychically that has happened and occurred over the past thousands and thousands and some years. And so people don't have the the tools to communicate or to pick or discern what they're feeling intuitively about themselves, seeing themselves and the other person, they don't know that they're seeing. And so there's a lot of um, unlearning, unidentifying that has to be has to happen and so the music actually that I create is is cold for that hey here instead of it it may take you 20 years to figure this out here's it in a song if you sit with it and focus Mm -hmm. for the person who's beginning to understand that I'm not I'm not the master teacher right but here's the here's some code for to download that program so that you can start working with it more effectively in order to accelerate your own process and not accelerate by rushing, but accelerate by integrating the understanding. Mm-hmm. 
that you have of things so you're able to sort of call these aspects of yourself back to you so Mm -hmm. yeah I've dealt with that but I don't really I just laugh about it now because I I would prefer to just acknowledge others and if that happens just like hey yeah no you're seeing you and yeah yeah I love that and it's yeah it's a very beautiful thing when someone sees seen and And it's interesting too, for folks that maybe don't usually get that opportunity and maybe that's where that excitement comes from. And they're like, oh, you're the answer. So it's wonderful that what you've just said, it's the reminders that you're actually seeing yourself in me. So very beautifully said. And and Tree, before we finish up today, I wanted to, if you could chat a little bit about any current projects that you're involved with, what's cooking in the, in your, in your world right now with your artistic expression. Dope. Yeah. I am working on an EP, right? The working title is called Unity. You, lowercase U-N-I, and then capital T with parentheses around it. Finding, I'm still working on a few tracks and seeing what attention it needs and what needs to be paired with it before I release it or upon release. And so I'm working on that. I'm also working on some collaborative projects with a few friends. Keon and I are actually working on another show or production. So look out for that more theatrical style. I'm working on a project with a friend, with a few friends of mine, Rocco Moon, Nolan Gross, and Kenny, but he goes by Nobody. And we've got a lot of songs in the works. So you'll know when, when any of those drop, when they do. Oh, Amy Devine, let me not let me not forget that. Working on some music with her as well. My Rao Rao, some of you may know, um, by now, but is a nonprofit that a few friends of mine um, have have put together, and we're working on some event production slash music slash art and style design or geometry to encourage or inspire others mentally and artistically as well. And so, working on some projects there, and let's see. I'm also working with some quantum healing technologies and working with other folks in our star system to bring information or tools or technology to humanity to help, I guess you can say, why people go to the doctor to get medicine or why people go to a curandera, curandero to, to get healing. It's mm-hmm. the same reason we need more feminine forms of artificial intelligence to help us be able to deal with the side effects that are happening psychically and like a program offset those negative imbalances that causes mm-hmm. ailment and etc for however long yeah i'll let you guys know soon um i'm going to be hosting a workshop to help educate more people on some blockchain stuff some quantum financial system type stuff mm-hmm. and all of this is in the works i don't i don't have a time frame of when all of these will be mm-hmm. um, out some of them already are which i I'll send to you, uh, Monica, after the interview, the app, at least the the quantum uh, frequency technology app that a friend of mine developed. And she has about 200,000 people have downloaded the software so far and uh, just something to work with. The frequencies, for anybody who downloads this after you hear this interview, start working with the frequencies from the Ruby level 
and eventually you can unlock by purchase the other levels and do it slowly. For anybody who has worked with plant medicines, there's a huge difference from taking seven grams of mushrooms and or like a microdose. And there's also a huge difference between mushrooms, not a huge difference, but let's say you work with mushrooms before you work with ayahuasca, depending on the individual. Um, ayahuasca is more medicinal, whereas whereas mushrooms are more of a technology. And so some people have, there's a prerequisite for some people, depending on what's happening psychically with them. So same with frequencies and tones and, and, and our understanding and our processes. If you jump, if you try to swim, if you try to swim 200 yards before you practice, you could, you could tire yourself out. Or if you try to deep dive before you swim, you could potentially die. So that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, I'm not saying you're going to die, but what I'm saying is it could cause a catalytic um, eruption if you don't start from the beginning, unless you're prepared or you've already been practicing how to work with uh, certain frequencies, et cetera. So that, that's one thing that's a few that, yeah, and I don't know, just got a lot going on in my field right now that I would love to show the world. And so I'm just focusing more on giving that love to myself in order to execute and put that out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tree, for sharing all that. And and today we'll, we're going to show one of Tree's pieces too, to close out the episode. Do you know what that's going to be yet, Tree? <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to be Jupiter. Okay. Um, it's... Jupiter is a song I released last year, and it is this spoken word, melodic, ethereal type of song, and you can download it on all streaming platforms. And yeah, if you have feedback, we'll love your feedback. And if not, just sit with it. I encourage you to, it's not one of those things you can just listen to with your homie and talk to the homie the, the whole time. It's something that you have to give your attention to. And it's really just, like I said, it's a code for the beginner who is embarking on a, what we call a spiritual journey for the first time, really codes and tools to help people begin to integrate spirituality as reality versus this aloof, detached idea that, that we're egotistically experiencing something others are not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's normalizing the, the, the thing that we are. And yeah, just that's it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, to mentally and emotionally navigate themselves. So awesome, Tree. And before we finish, what is uh, the best way for folks to, to connect with you? Online. The best way to connect with me online is via Instagram. You can find me at tree, T-R-E, Hill, H-I-L-Z-Z. So Tree Hills on Instagram. And yeah, or see me out, hit me up. Awesome, Tree. Thank you so much for talking with me. I've learned so much and it's, I know you, you have so much going on. So thank you so much for making the time and I appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate your time and to acknowledge you, I appreciate what you're doing, what you're doing for the community and how you're doing it. And I actually admire your ability to organize mm-hmm. from an organizing perspective. And it's very genuinely and non, non, not in an insecure way. You do it much better than I do. And <laughs> I've, yeah, it's, I have to say that out loud. 
because mm-hmm. something I've always wanted to be better at. Like I said, I'm good at project managing, but I'm not always good at there. There's some things that when it comes to organizing that are heavy and triggering for me that you do really well and effortlessly and in ways that I've always wanted to articulate or act on. And so I admire that. So please keep doing it. Thank you, Tree. I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm always happy to, to help. So if there's any, always down to help and help others get better at that. So always here. So you can always reach out to me, Tree. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Soul sessions. Also, I want to say when we come back, I would love to, of course, this is a conversation with, with my team, but mm-hmm. we'll love to collaborate with more people strategically on some things. And so just planting that seed to you, Monica. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would love that. And I've missed soul sessions. So it's cool to hear that it's going to come back. And yeah, so I, I, again, thank you, Tree, for everything you're doing. And I'm excited for future collaborations to come. All right, Tree, we'll have a great rest of your day. Thank you to everybody listening. And yeah, until next time, peace. It's strange how often our environment alters its state. It changes like cancer swing moves unfolding. It's the lead from infants. Those children chose their parents to help them learn lessons. Understand that you are co-creator. Please tell me why you act so hard. Why you hide from God? Possess the light within you like flocks of pigeons praying at mass are doing it on your knees and bow to our planet. Give back to our mother. Be forgiven. Why bother being cordial when your opposing thoughts are more genuine than your actions? They're passive. Remain secluded. When you are ready to expose your pain or your issue, express it. Do not speak of union unless you're willing to share that sandwich you're eating. I scream fire in a crowd of people. Their consequences for me causably responsible for their reactions. I acknowledge that. Integrity isn't sacrificial. Upon compromising, have integrity. No sense in holding grudges makes the people frown funny, right? And contemplating on the past just leaves you there. I observed the sun last night. Move along my suit. I did not keep 
Said this before, humans, you're amazing. 